If you have your Bibles, it would be helpful to uh, have it open at 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, But if not, that won't be a problem. Uh, But this morning, we're going to be looking in particular at uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, this is one of those... Uh, messages where it might be tempting uh, if you are a husband uh, here this morning or listening online, especially if you're sitting next to your wife, to be tempted to nudge them and to make sure that they're taking notes. Uh, That is the uh, temptation, this message for you, but I want to warn you that your turn is coming. (laughs) In a few weeks' time, we'll be looking at Uh, verse 7, where Peter turns his attention on how husbands should treat their wives. But it's important I mention that, uh, because otherwise this message will seem very imbalanced. Uh, We will be looking particularly at wives' uh, behavior towards their husbands, but we must always remember that with that, Peter is also thinking of how husbands should treat their wives. And uh, recent months, recent years have taught us, haven't they, Uh, how there's a very serious problem uh, when husbands dominate and abuse their wives. And Peter in no way condones that. And nothing said in these verses, which we look at this morning, should be thought to think that. But there is also another problem. However true that problem is uh, of husbands... Um, abusing their authority and their strength over their wives. Uh, There is a problem also of wives who abuse their husbands and do not treat their husbands in the ways they should. Um, And I think we all know that that is also a problem. Reminds me of a story I read this last week which made me smile. And you immediately recognize it's not a true story like the earlier one. Uh, But the story goes that there were two lines of husbands in heaven. Uh, One line was for assertive, strong husbands, and one for passive, submissive husbands. And the submissive husband line extended almost out of sight. There was just one man in the assertive husband's queue. And he was small, uh, timid, and he appeared anything but assertive and strong. So when an angel inquired as to what he was doing in that line, he replied, my wife told me to stand here. (laughs) Now we laugh because frankly we know it's true. Uh, It can be very, very real. Uh, There are, of course, as we've said, and we will look at this more in later weeks, Uh, husbands who domineer over their wives, and that is wrong. But also there are wives who domineer over their husbands, who refuse to listen to their husbands, who treat their husbands like children. Uh, That is indeed a problem which Peter addresses in these verses. Uh, So what I'd like to do this morning is just uh, as briefly as possible look at three things 
This doesn't mean when Peter says, wives, be submissive to your own husbands. And then I'll look at three things it does mean uh, for us, for those who are wives here this morning. Uh, But before I do get to them, I just want to make two brief observations uh, just to clarify a few things. If you look at verse 1, did you notice? It says, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands. Because this comes after what we've been looking at in previous weeks. A few weeks ago, we saw how Paul, uh, Peter sorry, says we should be submissive to government. Uh, we should submit to the rule of government. Uh, we saw last week how we should submit to the rule of our employers if we are employed. Uh, we should have a submissive attitude towards them. And now in verse 1 of chapter 3, Peter says, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands. So the submission that wives should have for their husbands is similar to the submission we should have for our bosses, similar to the submission we should have towards government. That's an interesting observation, isn't it? Because um, not many people I meet really argue about the fact that we should be submissive to government because it'd be anarchy if we weren't. Uh, We've got to submit to the laws of the land. People accept that. Most people don't argue you have to submit to your boss at work. Again, if you don't, you'll get the sack pretty quickly. Um, People don't argue about that. People see it's reasonable. Doesn't mean our prime minister is better than us. Doesn't mean our boss at work is better than us. They're just a human like you or I. They've got no more extra value than us. Often they're less competent than we ourselves are. They might be less intelligent. They might be less skilled in various ways. But we accept there needs to be structure. And yet, when it comes to this command, that wives be submissive to their husbands, people can get up in arms. And it's worth considering why that is. Why we're willing to accept structure in work, but in the family, people get more uptight about it. The second thing I just want to observe as well, notice it says, wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands. Uh, There's a sad idea which um, can come out of some churches that uh, all women must be subject to all men. The Bible does not teach that. It says, wives be submissive to your own husbands, not to anyone else's husbands. Uh, If any man comes to you who is not your husband and tells you you must do this, that, and the other, and they're not your boss, and they're not your prime minister or your government, then you can tell them where to get off. Um, Because that's not what the Bible teaches. It does not teach that women should be submissive to all men. That would be nonsense. Instead, wives should be submissive to their own husbands. So let's now turn to firstly three things this does not mean before we look at three things it does mean. And hopefully you'll see that these principles can be seen in the passage in what Peter is writing. The first thing this doesn't mean that wives should be submissive to their husbands is it doesn't mean that wives must always agree with their husband. Uh, wives have a mind of their own. Wives are human beings created in the image of God, given a reason of their own, given a brain of their own. 
uh, given a will of their own. Uh, that means they don't, are not compelled to agree with everything their husband says. Uh, again, you can see that in the passage. What does Peter say? He says, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the words, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Uh, in other words, what Peter's saying there is, wives, even if your husband is not a believer, uh, even if your husband doesn't follow Christ, even you should submit to your husband. But that clearly cannot mean that they must agree with their husband in everything because their husband doesn't believe in Christ. He doesn't follow Christ. He doesn't believe that Jesus is the saviour of the world. And at the very least, he doesn't believe that he should follow him. So clearly, uh, Peter is not saying that to be submissive means you must agree. Uh, because clearly the situation he's speaking of has a wife who disagrees on perhaps the most fundamental level with her husband in terms of her faith. So Peter is not saying that if you're a wife, you must relinquish your opinions. It does not mean you must leave your brain at the door and become a mindless servant of your husband. So that's the first thing it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you must always agree with your husband. Second thing it doesn't mean is that it doesn't mean you must always Obey your husband in every situation. Now, I qualify that. Um, This does not mean that a wife must obey her husband in every situation. Uh, You might notice that there's a verse on the front of your sheet uh, from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24. And uh, in that passage where Paul gives instructions for husbands and wives, he says that... Uh, wives are to obey their husband as you obey the Lord. And that is very similar to the language Peter uses in the earlier chapter where he says that we should obey government as we would obey the Lord. In other words, our submission to, if we are a wife, to our husband is underneath our submission to God. So that means, what that means is, is that if a husband tells his wife to do something which God forbids, or if a husband tells his wife not to do something which God commands, then she must obey the higher authority, which is God himself. Uh, A wife should not follow the orders of her husband just because he is her husband, if it means she has to, uh, that would involve her doing something immoral, doing something against God's law. Of course, that's the, to use a very, very extreme example, that's the excuse many of the soldiers in Nazi Germany used, wasn't it? Uh, when they did such horrific things in the Second World War. They said, we're just obeying orders. But that excuse doesn't fly because we have a higher authority. And if lower authorities teach us to do something which the higher authority forbids, then we are responsible not to obey the lower authority. Uh, A husband is not free to do whatever he likes. Um, The husband himself is under the authority of God, which we'll come to again in a later week, verse 7 onwards. 
Uh, our husband has not got free reign to do whatever he pleases. I just heard this last week, a, a horrible story of a husband who um, apparently um, would require his wife to ask his permission for her to go to the toilet. And of course that's absolutely ridiculous. That is a sick man who could ever think that is what the Bible requires. Uh, that is willfully not seeing the principles that scripture teaches. Uh, he is a man under authority himself, and men bear a great responsibility to love and cherish their wives. Uh, as I say, that's for a later week. Um, the principle here is that for a wife to be submitted to her husband does not mean that she must obey if her husband teaches her to do things which are against God's law. That leads to the, leads to the third uh, thing that this does not mean. And the third thing it doesn't mean is that a wife being submitted to her husband does not mean that she must never desire her husband to change. <laughs> I won't ask, but I'm sure all wives desire their husbands to change in some way or another, perhaps many ways. And that is not wrong, because husbands are not perfect. Uh, we're all human, and we all have faults, sometimes great ones. And a wife can be submissive to her husband while at the same time desiring that they change in various ways. Again, look at the passage. You can see how that's the case. Uh, verse 1 again. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do you see the point of what Peter's saying? He's saying that a wife's job's not just to put up and shut up. That's not the attitude they should have. He's saying that, no, you, you want your husband to change. You want to win him. That's the language he used in verse 1. Uh, but Peter says, if you want to win your husband, if you want to show him, in this case, the error of his ways in not following Christ... He says the way you do that is not by nagging, is not by ridiculing, is not by sniping, uh, is not by responding aggressively to their ignorance as you see it. He said the way you win them is by your submissive conduct, by your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. That word fear means ultimately respect you will win your husband you will be more likely to bring your husband to a better way of thinking if you show him respect than if you show him disgust uh, that's why i shared that story earlier uh, of the wind and the sun uh, the wind thought it could blow the coat right off the man and again, so many wives think that they can uh, beat their husband into shape and they can mould him into the image that they like. Uh, but many wives have discovered that that does, doesn't work. Uh, men are obstinate. Husbands can resist. Uh, 
far better to show the warmth of the sun, uh, to show a love and a respect and win your husband that way. But that leads very smoothly on to the three things this does mean. Uh, the three things it does mean, or at least, I'm sure there's hundreds more I could use, but these are just three things which wives being submissive to their husband does mean. And I've touched on one or two already. Uh, we've seen what being submissive to your husband does not mean. But what does it mean? What does it look like in practice? Well, the first thing is don't nag your husband. Don't nag your husband. And, you know, I was, I was also thinking about this uh, this last week. Uh, nagging is one of those words which is very hard to define. Uh, what, what is nagging? Uh, because when you accuse someone of nagging, they will just say, oh, I'm not nagging, I'm just asking. But although it's very difficult to define, it's unmistakable when we see it, isn't it? We all know nagging when we see it. It's a kind of controlling sort of fault-finding, uh, a persistent kind of quarrelsomeness which points out faults and is critical. Uh, it's when a spouse tries to parent their partner instead of being a partner to them. Uh, that's what nagging is. It's when a spouse treats their partner as a parent might treat their child. Uh, naggers say you a lot. Uh, this is a good test for us. Uh, in your relationships, uh, do you find yourself saying you? Uh, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Why didn't you say this? Uh, if you had done this, then that wouldn't have happened. Uh, why do you always act this way? That's a good indicator of someone who is a nag. They say the word you an awful lot, and the word I doesn't come up very much at all. And that's the sort of person that Solomon speaks of in, verse, in Proverbs 21, verse 9, where he says, It is better to live in the corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Just to make absolutely clear, that is not a excuse for divorce it's merely making an observation that it is miserable to live in a house with someone who is always sniping someone who is always quarreling someone who is always finding fault <coughs> likewise Proverbs chapter 21 verse 19 says it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman again it's not saying that men can't be quarrelsome and fretful but it's saying that women certainly can be. And it says it's better to live in a desert land than to live with such a person. Did you notice, by the way, that it says a quarrelsome and fretful woman? Isn't that interesting it puts those things together? Uh, nagging often comes with fretfulness, with anxiety, with fear. Because often... When you have a wife who is constantly fault-finding and put niggling and finding problems with their spouse, it's because they have a deep insecurity of their own. They have a deep fear and anxiety that they are trying to battle, and they want their husband to alleviate that fear, and so it manifests itself in this nagging and this talking. Um, men 
expose their vulnerability often differently. Uh, Men often respond with a violent temper. Men are stronger. Uh, Men then want to use their natural strength to intimidate because they are afraid. Women don't have the same natural strength, and so their fear is expressed in different ways. Uh, Women often feel far more insecure than men, or at least more vulnerable. Uh, I was surprised. um, You might think this is ridiculous that I didn't realise this, but uh, I was talking... Was I talking to someone, or was it on the news? I can't remember. Uh, But someone mentioned, a woman mentioned how they can never go out in the street after a certain time without feeling vulnerable and anxious. Uh, And that never occurred to me. Uh, I don't think I've ever, I might be wrong, but I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I've been walking the streets and felt particularly anxious um, that I might be attacked or hurt. Uh, For women, it's a very different experience. I'm sure many can testify here. Uh, And women can express that insecurity, that vulnerability, through fretfulness and through nagging to their husbands. But of course, what does that betray? It betrays ultimately a lack of trust in their husband. They don't really trust that their husband's got it under control. They don't really trust that they can respect and submit to this man. And ultimately, it shows their lack of trust in God himself. And Peter's saying here, you can trust God. God knows what he is doing. He knows what he was doing when he gave you the husband that he did. You can rely on him. Don't respond with fretting. Don't be anxious and afraid. Put your trust in God and submit willingly to your husband. Did you notice what it said in the verses 5 and 6? It says, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trust in God also adorn themselves, being submitted to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Peter says, don't be afraid. Be daughters of Sarah. Your husband is there to protect you. Your husband is there to look after you. Your husband is there to be your support and your strength. Trust him. Of course, tragically, husbands aren't always that. And that is a tragedy, and again, we'll come to that more in later weeks. But thankfully, that is the exception rather than the rule. Most husbands do love their wives. They want the best for their wives. And wives, you can trust your husband. Trust God by trusting your husband. Don't nag and seek to control, but in love, honour him. That leads to the second thing which submitting to your husband does mean. Number two, it means don't ignore your husband. We've seen don't nag your husband, but now we see don't ignore your husband. Uh, This is one of the easiest ways to show disrespect because it's so passive. Um, Most wives understand that there are ways that you shouldn't speak to another person, let alone your husband. Um, But it's much easier just to simply ignore. And in frustration, just kind of turn a blind eye. Uh, out of disgust with your husband that he's not doing all the things that you want him to do. And so you just think, well, 
ignore him. I'll do my own thing. Uh, you, and you kind of feel justified in that because you're literally doing nothing. <laughs> you're not doing anything to uh, hurt him, it seems. All you're doing is ignoring him. But of course, that does hurt. Uh, you don't ask their opinion. Uh, you run ahead. You make decisions without consulting your husband's. And obviously, we can see how destructive that is. Uh, this is the way marriages fall apart when couples stop communicating with each other because respect has broken down. Uh, wives can easily fall into temptation of sinfully and impatiently bypassing their husbands. Uh, this is the mistake Eve made in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? Do you remember Eve in the Garden? Uh, Eve... Uh, was there in the garden, and the serpent spoke to her. But we learn later that Adam was there with her. But she doesn't consult with Adam. She doesn't talk with Adam. She talks direct to the serpent. Of course, Adam's not to blame. He should have stepped in. Uh, Adam should have said something. (laughs) He should have seen the danger, but he didn't. But likewise, Eve shouldn't have gone on ahead on her own. She should have talked with Adam, at least. And as a result, we see the destruction of the whole world. So don't underestimate the destructiveness of ignoring your husband. Honour him by including him. Honour him by listening to him. Honour him by asking for his opinion. Don't ignore your husband. That's a second way that a wife can be submissive to her own husband. Let's go to the third and last way. Um, And as I said, um, there's hundreds of ways this could be expressed, but I've just chosen three. Uh, We've seen that a wife shouldn't nag her husband. We've seen how a wife shouldn't ignore her husband. But third and lastly, a wife shouldn't humiliate her husband. Uh, Humiliation is the opposite of submission. Uh, When we humbly submit to someone, we are esteeming them as more important than we are. We are raising them up. We are putting them above ourselves. We are showing them honour. But when we humiliate someone, what are we doing? We're doing the opposite. We're treading them beneath our feet. We're casting them down lower. We want them to see that they are less than us, that they're less than others. Uh, We can do this in obvious ways with uh, insulting comments that we make, demeaning, dismissive comments uh, which wear a person down and make them feel like nothing. Uh, We can do it by undermining our husbands in front of the children uh, or in front of other people. And we tell stories which are negative about our husbands uh, and it humiliates them and it demeans them and it makes them look small in other people's eyes. Uh, We can do it by doing them down in front of our friends. Um, Again, um, Women can go to their girlfriends and chat and um, berate and commiserate over the failings of their husbands. But be careful. In so doing, you can humiliate your husbands and you can drag them down and you can make them look small in the eyes of others. 
How different from the attitude which Peter points to, which Sarah expressed. Uh, Look at verse 5 and 6 again. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trust in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and not afraid with any terror. Do you hear that? You might think this is a step too far. But he says... Sarah called Abraham Lord. He's quoting from a verse in the Old Testament. I haven't got time to look at it right now. Uh, But Sarah calls Abraham her Lord, her king. That's the respect that Sarah had for her husband. Far from humiliating him, she crowns him. She honours him. Now, Abraham had many faults of his own. Abraham was by no means a perfect man. Uh, Just look at his behavior in Egypt. Uh, Just look at his behavior with Hagar, and you'll see that Abraham was a man with many faults. Nevertheless, Sarah crowned him as her king because he was her husband. And that's really a good summary uh, of this whole passage. Uh, If you want a one-sentence summary of what Peter is teaching in these verses, he's teaching wives, treat your husband like your king, but not like your God. Treat your husband like your king, but not like your God. Uh, Some wives, far from treating their husband like their king, uh, dismiss him and humiliate him and ignore him. Peter says no. Honour him, respect him. But other wives go to the opposite extreme and they treat their husband like he's a god and every word must be obeyed without question, Uh, that he must be almost worshipped and obeyed in every circumstance. But that's not right either. God is God, not your husband. Sometimes, under God, you will have to say, no, that's wrong. That isn't right. With respect, with honour, but nevertheless, with strength and courage, say something is wrong. The middle ground is to treat your husband as your king, as your lord, to honour him. And you'll be surprised at the result. It may not happen quickly. Uh, It may not change, may not happen immediately. Uh, But it's interesting, when you read Ephesians chapter 5, Paul has two basic instructions to husbands and wives. He says to wives, uh, sorry, he says to husbands, love your wives. But to wives, he says, honour your husbands. And this is a generalisation, and is not true in every instance, but it's generally true that wives are desperate for the love of their husbands. They want the affection and the security that comes from their husband's love. But men, although they're not dismissive of their wives' love, what they yearn for most of all is their wives' respect. And if they feel they've lost their wives' respect, if they feel they've lost respect in general, then it causes them to wither. And I'm sure many men here can relate to the feeling of when you don't feel respected, you feel like nothing. 
Respect is so important to a man. It's important to a woman as well, of course. But it's especially true of a man. And if you want your man, if you want your husband to flourish, honour him. Respect him. Doesn't mean you always have to agree with him. Doesn't mean you always have to obey him. Uh, Doesn't mean many things. But at least show him the honour that he deserves as your husband. And if that's difficult for you, uh, just remember one last final thing uh, as we close. Uh, The Bible says that Jesus submitted to his own father. Now, the Bible makes absolutely clear that Jesus is equal with God. He has all the power of God. He has all the authority of God. Uh, He has all the dignity of God. And yet God the Son, Jesus, willingly submitted to his Father's authority. Not because God the Father is better than him, but because that was the right structure. And Jesus willingly joyfully submitted to his father's authority, even when it took him to the cross. And if Jesus could do that, if Jesus could submit to his father's authority, someone who was equal, is equal with him in dignity and in worth, then if you're a wife, can you not submit to your husband, who is equal to you in dignity and worth, but in that sense mimic, in a small, shadowy way, Christ's obedience to his father. And when we do that, we show to a watching world what God himself is like. And with those thoughts in mind, uh, I've chosen our last hymn, and it's number 793. 793. And it's really a uh, hymn of contrition, of repentance, uh, asking God to help us to walk in the right way and not in the wrong way. Uh, Perhaps uh, after this message we feel uh, guilty of ways in which we haven't shown honour where we should. Perhaps we're a husband and we feel we haven't been a worthy husband as we should. Well, let's sing this last hymn, confessing that to God and asking him to give us the strength and the help uh, through Christ to do what we should do. So it's 793, 04, a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light to shine upon the road that leads me to the Lamb. So we'll stand to sing in closing, 793.